0: Good morning. Good morning. Oh, Lord, we could just come before you today. What a blessing. What a blessing to praise your name. What a blessing to be able to gather with brothers and sisters and just share with uh, one another how our week is going, Lord. What a blessing to raise our voices together and glorify you. Lord, your love is so good. You are so precious to us. You deserve every drop of praise. And Lord, as we're singing, we're just singing to you, Lord, just to our audience of one. God. Nobody next to us cares anything about it. Nobody in front of us or behind us. And Lord, your word says to make a joyful noise. It doesn't say anything about being in key or being on time. It just says be joyful, and Lord. You put the joy in our hearts, Lord. It has nothing to do with our environment, it has nothing to do with our circumstance. It's all the joy, the joy of the Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Standing up. Let's praise our awesome God. God. So good, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. Lord, those those words are so true. And God, looking them up and studying them, we see that those those verbs are promises. This is going to happen. And and God, we long for that day. We look forward to that day when we are just face to face with you. God, thank you, Lord, that you revealed yourself to us, that we would bow our knee on this side of eternity, Lord that we could use this life to glorify you and prepare for an everlasting uh, eternity with you. We love you so much. You are so worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can have a seat.
1: Got back from the youth conference. Helena, come here. And uh, it was an awesome time. The youth conference uh, is at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. They do it every year, except for last year because of COVID. But Calvary Chapels come from all over the southeast, right, Louisiana, Florida, everywhere. But you want to just tell us a little bit about it.
2: Okay. Um, uh, it was just a blessed time. Even though we missed last year, I mean, we were, it felt like five years because <laughs> we've been going every year since. And it was just I was just blessed to see these. Um, there was like three to 500 kids there. The um, Lord. And they were just worshiping, and the band that was playing, that was leading the worship, were made up of, of, of teenagers and youth, children. And so we rocked out with them <laughs> in the name of Jesus. And, <laughs> and just the teaching itself, um, it, it applied not just to youth, but just to a Christian. It could be young, old, um, and all in between. So I highly recommend it if you have a upcoming youth from like sixth grade on right yep. sixth grade to high school um, it's just a blessing to be there and just to, praising and worshiping and, and just learning about Jesus and just it's just a kiss onto his cheek just to see all the children um, just praising him and valuable teaching from um, authors most of them were authors and um, uh, pastors of Calvary yeah. Chapel all of the southeast area so please Please encourage your children to come.
1: Yeah, thanks, Helena. Caught her right on the spot there. <laughs> Just a few announcements. Um, today, like uh, always, we have lunch, and I think it's spaghetti, if I'm not correct. I think so. And Is there uh, spaghetti today, Ms. Lynn? Yes. All right, looks, looks really good. And uh, we've got our revelation study after the service at one o'clock, and then Wednesday we have our uh, study through the old testament everybody's invited for that and then uh, what else volunteers we still need volunteers for the children's ministry and uh, just as you know if the lord's pricking your heart on that just let me know or talk to sergio and uh, we'll tell you all more about that Uh, it's been a crazy weekend if you didn't hear on thursday uh, cindy sandoval pastor steve's wife passed away Uh, she's been battling cancer for uh, four years almost four years, and um, so uh, anyway, I know many of you know Pastor Steve from down there. We, we, uh, prior to her being sick, he was do, holding the men's conferences and stuff down there, and so we all know those guys, but uh, Friday they had a memorial service for her down there, and, and uh, Steve did a great job. I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you what he just put on uh, Facebook. This was on Wednesday after she passed away, Wednesday evening. He said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, At Psalm 116 15. Tonight at 8.49 p.m. Eastern Time, Cindy Lee Sandoval, my wife of 33 years, completed her journey and was ushered into the presence of the Lord by his holy angels as she believed in the Lord with all of her heart and was healed of her cancer and will never be sick again. Uh, she has been a blessing to all who have known her and we will all miss her and meet her on the other side. And so uh he did the service did an amazing job i don't know he i don't know how he kept it all together uh and his son daniel uh the one that has the same haircut as pastor steve uh, he uh he's uh has been a worship leader up there uh i don't know if he is currently right now but he was in the past but he's just amazing and uh he played a couple of songs and just did an amazing job kept it together the other people came up to share, they didn't all keep it together like the rest of us, they're uh, crying and all that. But these two uh, just did a really good job. But anyway, there was another uh, service. This is Amber and I don't know if uh, a lot of you know, remember Amber, she's been around here since we moved into the neighborhood and uh, she went missing and uh, a while back and they, they uh, had recovered her body in the woods out there down the down a ways and uh, they're still not sure of the circumstances it's still under investigation but um anyway she had a service uh down at rock springs <clears throat> church for where their grandmother and i'll just read you about ember uh, it says, Ember Marie Stubbs passed away at age 22. She was born on February 13th, 1999 at Sum- Sum- Sumner Regional Hospital in Gatlin, Tennessee. Due to unusual circumstances surrounding her death, the date of Ember's death is unknown. Ember was beautiful, a loving and caring person and dearly beloved by all, called uh, home uh, much too soon. Ember will live on in her hearts and it lists uh, her survivors and several aunts and it says Ember uh, attended church and was a member of Calvary Chapel uh, in Stockbridge and so uh, when I went I went to the service this was yesterday and uh, talked to her grandmother Brenda and uh, I've talked with her before you know Ember was just kind of a troubled youth and uh, so I've I've, ta- I've talked with her grandmother but anyway she uh she's ember uh, believed she was a part of our church our congregation even though she wasn't here that much she you know came time to time and uh, uh brenda did share did the eulogy and shared that in uh september last year ember had called her and told her that she had accepted uh, jesus yeah sorry as her uh, lord and savior and so and then she shared how they had come uh she had went to church with ember on in february and uh brenda's husband was sick uh ember's grandfather and uh, she just shared how she raised her hand and everybody gathered around and prayed for him and uh, he passed away as well but um anyway there's a couple more of those uh on the table out there but but just keep that those, both of those families, uh, the Sandoval's and uh, also Brenda and her family. I got to meet her dad yesterday, Ember's dad, his name's Troy. And, uh, and uh, he said, well, I've heard a lot about the church over there. And so apparently, uh, apparently we're having an impact on uh, some people around here. So, And uh, with that, is there any uh, praise reports?
3: Uh, Well, like my wife was talking about, we had the uh, youth conference yesterday, or last few days, and the praise report is all the kids made it back to their (laughs) correct homes safely. I didn't have to leave any of them behind, so that's good. Didn't forget any. Um, But anyway, like she was saying, yeah, it was a real blessing for for not only the kids, but the adults. If if any of you guys are are on uh, Facebook or um, Instagram, I posted a bunch of stuff on Instagram last night. There was a really cool thing that happened uh, during one of the worship sessions is the breakers blew and all the sound equipment went out during the middle of a song and all the kids kept singing. And to hear that, just the voices of the kids, you got to listen to it. It's, It's fantastic. I haven't posted that on Facebook yet, but it is on Instagram. Uh, CCMD Youth uh, is, there, is on both of those. Uh, but the really cool thing to kick it off, because the theme of it was I'm just a youth. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the sign they had crossed out just, mm-hmm. you know, on their sign. And what I thought about or uh, what really um, stuck out was what Pastor Sandy Adams was telling them in the first session is that, you know, just because you're youth doesn't mean God does not have a purpose for you. He's got something for you. And he kind of challenged them to think about what either God wants to use them for now or maybe even in the future. And then for them to be open and be listening for whatever it is God has for them and how he wants to use them for his kingdom and make an impact. And we talk about making an impact, you know, we can do it in all kinds of different ways. And I'm glad that uh, you mentioned what happened with Ember, and she gave her life to the Lord. I had no clue. But it's neat just, you just never know what kind of impact you're going to have on a life. Even, you know, a short time that you might spend with somebody, you could have a major impact. So I thought that was really cool that he challenged the kids that, hey, even now in your youth, you could have an impact and just be thinking about that. So, you know, it was just a great weekend. And of course, it's awesome that. And of course, we had Death Ball tournament. Got a little bit on the gram and on that too. Um, but it was a great. We had a great time. And uh, we hope, of course, next year we'll do it again. Hopefully, we'll have a big group. We'll see. So, yeah.
1: All right. Praise God. <laughs> oh, right here, Nicole.
4: Good morning. Um, I have a few, I'm sorry. Um, The first one is um, my dad, um, anyone who knows me knows how close I am to my dad. Um, He is a, well he was a captain at the Henry County Fire Department. And the next step up is chief and my dad like, I was like, "Eh, I don't really you know, wanna go there, but I kinda do. So he signed up for the class to be the chief and was gonna take it in May and go through the process and apply and then they canceled the class. So he was like, okay, well, I guess it's just not my time. Well, I got a call. I got a text message because my dad hates the telephone. Um, but I got a text message that said, they just made me battalion chief. Um, and so it was totally a God thing. Even my dad, my dad called me and my dad's a believer, but he doesn't, he's not one to call. And you know, this was a total God thing. And, but he did call after I made him. And then he was like, this is totally a God thing. And because um, they're going to give him a year to take the class, and, and it's just kind of like where he wanted to be when he retired. So it's just crazy how that all got worked out. So praise God for Let's that. Go. Um, second one is this one right here. Got pinned with his E6. Yes, he did. All, right.
1: So, all right. Congratulations.
4: He'll never celebrate himself, but I'll celebrate him. Um, and then the last one is kind of a praise and a prayer all in one. Um, you know, I keep guys updated on my grandmother. Um, the last scan they did was clean of cancer, and so she has one more scan to go. Um, I'm not quite sure when it is, but if that scan is clean, they will deem her in remission. So praise in a prayer, please. You know she's getting better. We kicked cancer's butt. It's been like three year long battle with this, and she lost her vocal cords and she's lost a lot of other things, but just we're one scan away from remission. So if you guys can. Pray for that be awesome. But thank you.
1: Yes. Praise God.
5: (laughs) Just a second. Just a second. Go ahead, Graham. This is a a little generic, um, and not it's a bit underwhelming compared to the other ones, but just sitting here and heavy heart after the announcements and you know, knowing the knowing the Sandovals and all that they've been through and then with Ember you know, and thank God Papa Lynn was the instrument God chose to use in that situation. He opened his heart, as he does to everybody. And that's why I call him my adopted grandfather. Even though he's not really old enough to be my grandfather, I, I have adopted him as my grandfather. And his, his heart is pure Christ. He loves everybody, regardless and somehow God used him to reach out to Ember. And I think that was the catalyst for the change in her life. And I believe it's real. Um, I'm thankful that that happened before the other thing happened. Sure. And because uh, that's what matters in the end. That's right. And sitting here with that all on my heart and getting up in my feelings a bit, you know, and Serge. <laughs> Serge lightened it up right at the right moment. And thank God for simple things like laughter and levity. Thank God for the sweet things in life that counteract the bitter and bittersweet. Because we need it. I mean, this world is dying as we watch. And even though it's beautiful and we can find all kinds of evidence of God and creation, it's still dying, it's still cursed, it's still here the way it is. And there's plenty of bitter to go around, and uh, I mean, in this country, we don't even see a lot of that, and we still have trouble coping with the bitter. So thank God for the sweet today.
1: Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. Lynn, I know I'm sure he's watching from home, and he's there taking care of his uh, sweet wife, Pam. So uh, thank you,
6: brother. Um, I had, sorry, sorry, Pastor Rob. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so this week I had kind of a lot of fun. I went to the library and rented three movies and two books. And I realized how difficult it can be to get to these places without a vehicle. And also a blessing just because it's good exercise. I was also able to stop by a taekwondo spot, the one on 138th going east, And I attended their class on Thursday night, and oh my gosh, the exercise was amazing. Man, also I was able to uh, go to, uh, I was uh, walking around, and I happened to go to this Spanish uh, supermarket, the one in, uh, where is it, by the Dollar General, right over here. sure. And I went inside, and I don't know what brought me into there. I was led by this, Spirit, a Holy Spirit it might have been. I I, I truly believe it was. And so I see this little boy and his mother eating. uh, He's eating his lunch, and by the TV, they're watching soccer, and there's a Mary, uh, was it Mother Mary? And I think it was another, it wasn't Jesus. It was a a different picture. And so I went up to the boy, and I said, you know, let me pray for you, because uh, despite you know what you're you being 6 years 7 years old you know i still believe that god has put me here to bless you because you are hiding from the world from my point of view he was just a little boy with his mother you know in this small market just eating alone and i said i and the mother said thank you and i walked off and i felt such a relieving uh pleasurable feeling of being able to be a part of that young boy's life in that day, knowing that, you know, there's a lot of dispute against, you know, the Mother Marys and all the idol worships and stuff, but, you know, just the fact that they are still walking and searching for God still means something. Jesus is truly the only one you should be praising, but even though Mary... Is believe, you know, there's a lot of dispute. I'll just leave it at that.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. And, uh, just a good example. Oh, michaela has got her hand up. Just a good example of, of uh, following the leading of the Spirit. And sometimes it can be awkward to come up and just share something with someone, stranger, or prayer. And uh, thanks, Sam, for sharing that. Good morning. Good morning.
3: I just want to say... The Calvary Chapel is making an impression on my family. I mean, now they're wanting to come to church, which when we first started, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But this morning I'm getting dressed. They said they want to come. I said, let's go. (laughs) So I want to just thank that. Thank God for that.
1: Praise God. (laughs)
4: Having a sweet baby boy,
7: yeah. <laughs> and his
4: name is Luke, so which means light and bright, shining. So I pray he shines for Jesus. So,
1: Amen. <laughs> Luke, did you say that Luke? You're going to name him Luke? Nice. Have you named him? Awesome. There's a great uh, video on Facebook and Instagram. Probably the they had uh, Clay's brother. They put. Stuff down the exhaust pipe of his big giant diesel truck, and uh, blue powder came flying out. So that's one of those reveal things. But I wish I could have been there. But it was good to see the video. Anything else? All right. Does anybody have a prayer need? If you'd raise your hand, we just want to gather around you and lift you up in prayer. Monica's got her hand up here, and and Courtney's got her hand up. And, uh, anybody else? And Michaela's got her hand up back there. Okay. And Jordan's got her hand up too if you would gather around monica courtney michaela jordan heavenly father we just thank you for these praise reports and uh, you see working in our life in amazing ways lord and uh, lord we ask that you be with the sandoval family and uh, just as uh, i'm sure tomorrow it'd just be a very difficult day to wake up at the beginning of the week uh and lord we just ask that you give st- uh, steve strength and pastor steve just Courage and also be with Ember's family and give them courage, Lord. Peace. Hear us now.
8: Too often we don't humble ourselves before you. So, Father, now as I sense the presence of your Spirit here, we don't want to move away from your Spirit and get into ourselves. But, Father, we do want to get into your Word. God, we do want to hear what you have to say to us today from your Word. So, Father, I pray that don't leave you thrown that we stay right where we're at and that we forget who's who here and focus only on you and listen only to your word father i pray that the words that you have given me to help bring understanding do exactly that not because of who i am only because of so here we are, Father. We are yielded to you. We are yielded through your son, Jesus Christ. And now, Father, as we are yielded in your presence, I pray. Make your word come alive to us. Let your word find its way deep into our hearts, to the transforming, the quickening, to that life-giving excitement that we need in this dark world. Father, breathe your word into us by your Holy Spirit. Not because of who is speaking, but simply because of your
7: word. And we know,
8: Father, that your word will not return to you, void. I know in my own life you have changed me by your word. It's the only reason I can be here today. So, Father, I pray that that life changing that soul affirming power of your word will speak to us today and we don't leave your throne for the rest of this service God we're happy to sit at your feet so I pray father that you will connect with us and that as we are in your presence you will be here with us for we have gathered in your name Jesus and we have that promise that where two or three are gathered there you will be also so continue with us as we get into your word and learn from your word how that we have joy because we have the hope of seeing you, Jesus, face to face. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're back into the book of Philippians. And how relevant is the book of Philippians to where we're at in the world today? You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought the whole theme of the book of Philippians was rejoicing. Right. Because it's all about rejoicing in a world that doesn't know about Christ, and we have the opportunity to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. So originally when I went through this thing one time, I put it together in about ten different laps, and I'm just keeping track from my own notes. We're on about lap seven, and when I originally did this, There was ten laps all together, so that tells you how rich the book of Philippians is. Pastor Rob was able to teach on one word, (laughs) and it is that word rejoice. And that's what we are to do, It's we are learning to do. It doesn't come natural for us to rejoice because we think of rejoicing simply as an emotion. But it's not the human emotion of joy. It is the reaction that our soul has in the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to practice. So joy, remember the acronym, J-O-Y, Jesus, Others, Yourself. That gives us the order. Joy comes from pressing on towards the goal of heaven. That is seeking Jesus. Last week, Serge did a wonderful job. You picked up where... Rob left off and Serge taught us from Philippians chapter 3 that we are to rejoice in the Lord. By the way, always connect that. We don't rejoice in the Braves. We don't rejoice in the Falcons. We don't rejoice in Harley Davidson. We rejoice in the Lord. By not counting on the things of the flesh and that our joy in the Lord comes from not living in our past but in pressing on towards the upper calling of Jesus Christ. Once again today, we're going to mind the glorious truths that are found in the third chapter of this wonderful letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church. My intention is not to rehash what Serge has already taught, but to build on his teaching. So we're not looking behind us in order to drive forward. In fact, I've learned from Serge's example of trying to drive forward while looking in the rearview mirror. And we'll allow his experience to be a sufficient example because when I hopped in my old truck yesterday, I realized I don't even have a rearview mirror. (laughs) So that we understand where we're going in the rest of chapter 3, I'm going to start our reading and go all the way back to verse 7 to provide the context for verses 12 through 21 where we'll focus our verse-by-verse study today. So let's start Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Glad you taught that part, Serge. And be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. How do we experience the joy that is Paul's central theme in this letter? We rejoice in the Lord. What does it mean to rejoice in Jesus as Lord? It means that we are to get technology to work, that we are to share in Paul's mindset that gaining fellowship with Jesus is more valuable than anything else in the world. What is there in this world that you are willing to have rather than share in the righteousness of God? And sometimes we need to stop and think about that. Because immediately we'll say no. But then things come up through daily life and we realize how we'll put God on the back burner and put those things ahead of God. This righteousness is a gift freely given that requires faith to take hold of and possess. Do you live as though yesterday is gone, tomorrow is only guaranteed by the Lord, and that right now is a present given to you by Jesus? Because I strongly agree with David Guzick's comment on this issue. I want you to hear what he has to say about living in the present. It is a deception to live either in the past or in the future. So we think a lot about living in the past. Have you ever come across those that were so heavenly minded, they were no earthly good because they're living in the future. Tomorrow, everything will be better. God wants us to press on in the present because the present is where eternity touches us now. Paul knew that a race is won not only in the present moment, not in the past or in the future. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's greatest desire, his most fervent hope, and his overwhelming passion is to know Jesus Christ. Keep in mind that this is a man to whom Jesus revealed himself in a special revelation on the road to Damascus. I've not had that special revelation. Not only did Jesus reveal himself there and then, but Paul spent three years in the desert with the Holy Spirit being his teacher and tutor as he learned to be a disciple of Jesus. And still, Paul's greatest desire, his most fervent hope, his overwhelming passion is to know Jesus Christ. Paul does not doubt that we or he will receive a resurrection body. We have already heard Paul's confession that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul knows that he will spiritually be present with Jesus when he leaves the mortal tent that is his body. But his hope is not just heaven filled with the ghost of believers. No, Paul's overwhelming hope and reason for rejoicing is knowing that Jesus has promised a new and resurrected body to every believer who overcomes this world. How do we as believers overcome this world? We might be starting to think about we've got to get on the whole armor, we got to get the weapons of our warfare, and we're going, all of these. But it's not by taking up swords and cutting people to pieces with the truth of our doctrine. No, we overcome the world by loving others as Jesus first loved us by responding with goodness during the assault of evil, and by our faith in Jesus that has persuaded us that all the things of this present world are filthy waste compared to the resurrection body Jesus has in store for us when we see him at his return to earth. I'll tell you the story and I'll tell it again. When I was absolutely backslidden, finally through a circumstance... uh, Tracy's parents said, you're not seeing our daughter again unless you go to church. I said, fine, but we're going to go to this church. We went to that church, and I know that there were Sunday mornings that I came in the church reeking of alcohol, and that particular church was one of these teetotal churches. It's not permissible at all, ever, under no circumstances, not even in our vanilla flavoring, literally. But that pastor... Instead of cutting me to pieces with his doctrine, he reached out and loved me back into the kingdom of God. Love and goodness is how we win people to the kingdom of God. Now, he wouldn't have tolerated (laughs) certain things, so don't think I'm going that far either. There were certain things, and when it was time to stand up for certain things, he stood up for certain things. But thank God that he loved me enough to love me back into the kingdom of God. So I believe that Paul was hoping to live long enough to see Jesus return. And so in his mind, he had not attained to hearing the last trumpet sound when the living would join the dead in the air and be transformed in the twinkling of an eye into glorious resurrected believers. Is your heart longing for the sound of an angel's trumpet and the cry of Jesus to come meet him in the air? If not, why not? Remove anything else from your heart that is keeping your feet bound to the earth. That's how you rejoice in the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In verse 13, Paul says, I do not count myself as apprehended. Understand that Paul is not doubting his salvation or his reward, but he is saying that he is not going to rest on his laurels. He's not going to be satisfied with the victories he had yesterday. So many would like to concentrate on what they have done for God, and Paul is teaching us how to live in the present as servants of the Most High while also keeping our hearts focused on eternity with Jesus. First, We must be forgetting those things which are behind. Yesterday is gone, and both the good and the bad we have done in the past. So we need to hear that one again. Yesterday is gone, and both the good and bad we have done is in the past. Remember, Serge, you taught us not to drive forward by looking backwards. If the enemy reminds you of your past, then remind him of his future. Thank you, Carmen. If your pride reminds you of what you did yesterday, then humble yourself by thinking of the future home Jesus is preparing for you. You did something really good, great. Jesus has been building a home for you for right at 2,000 years. Can we really compare our work to his work? Then we must be reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Tomorrow is within reach so long as we live our lives in Christ. We don't live in this world. We live in Christ. We must concentrate our efforts to be found working for the Lord when the Lord returns. In the parable of the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom, Jesus teaches us that we must be prepared for his return by keeping our fire for him burning through the oil in our lamps. This means that we must be letting the Holy Spirit continually fill us throughout our lives. Jesus' conclusion of that parable in Matthew 25, verse 13 reads, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We can't give up. We have got to continue looking for the next second for Jesus Christ to return. Today is a present and now is the time to work for the Lord. Paul speaks of pressing toward the goal for the prize. We would do well to inform our Christian brothers and sisters that the Christian life is not a sprint, but a cross-country marathon that stretches over the whole course of our lives. We as disciples of Christ can continue pressing on toward the goal because Jesus is constantly calling us to a closer, deeper, and more vibrant relationship with God our Father. It is true that there are ups and downs in the believer's race to the finish. However, the final chart should show a steady uphill climb throughout the race until we cross the finish line. Of course, we're not to despair if we find ourselves running around in circles. I believe every believer who has lived for any amount of time will tell you there are times we seem to be in the wilderness or we seem to be running around in a circle. Instead of despairing, all we have to do is stop And listen for the call of Jesus. He will get us back on track and keep us running the course set before us to run. Philippians chapter 3, 15 through 17. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind, or have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. You don't know why I meddle sometimes, because sometimes, I read that line, as many as are mature, and I heard that little voice say, wouldn't it be great if the believers in my churches were mature believers? So, we ain't going to take a whole lot of time there, but think about it. Are you a mature believer, and do you desire to be a mature believer in Christ? Are you happy just to sit by and watch life pass? until you get to the finish line. Verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. This is how being focused on heaven becomes practical to us today. So that's the thing me and God have been talking about all week. All right, so Lord, how do I teach this and not leave people walking away so heavenly minded they're no earthly good? It means we've got to be able to take this and make this practical for when we walk out of this building today or when somebody like Ember walks into this building. This is how being focused on heaven becomes practical to us today. Our mind, our thoughts, our intentions, our concentration must be on running the race called life In such a way as though we must earn the right to cross the finish line. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He is the Apostle of grace. He's saying you do not earn your salvation. But he's saying I'm living my life as though I have got to earn the right to cross the finish line. We know that Jesus paid the price. We know that in Jesus we are guaranteed the resurrection from the dead. But in order to have joy in this life, we must press toward the goal of heaven as though it is a prize. We must be able to recognize that we are growing in Christ. It is quite easy to listen to our accusers telling us that we are currently doing wrong. Anybody ever have that devil sit on your shoulder? I believe that for every believer who is growing in grace, he or she can look back and see how the Spirit of God is manifesting the life of Christ in a progressive way in his or her life. You said, don't look back. Well, do appreciate the growth. You wouldn't plant a tomato plant if you eat the tomatoes. You wouldn't plant it and then walk away from it and never come back. Well, God has planted a seed in you that he expects to bear fruit. You may never be able to see the fruit. But you can tell whether or not God is working in you. I'm not telling you to look back to your victories and rejoice because of your victories. Look back and see how God is working in you and rejoice that God is working in you. All of this starts to work together when we come together. And this is what brings unity among believers. You see, if I remember that yesterday I was nowhere near where I'm at today with Jesus... When somebody else comes in who is immature, then I can love them because I was where they are at now. And so by doing that, bringing this unity, is when we experience unity in our fellowship that we also experience communion and the benefits that comes from strength in numbers. Remember that Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, not one by one. Our enemy is a roaring lion and a savage wolf that wants to divide the flock of Jesus since a lone sheep is easier prey. The most hideous, subtle doctrine there is out today is I don't need church to be a mature Christian. And I'm not trying to get people to come and all the other things that I'm telling you that is a strategy of the enemy to divide and conquer. It is when we come together that there is strength in numbers. And that's why Jesus said, Where two or three are gathered, there I am also. Yes, he'll meet you alone in the woods, but he really wants us to come together and be his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Beloved, don't let the enemy draw you away from the body of Christ, is what I'm trying to say. It is so easy. To be drawn away. All it takes is one person to offend you. You're like, I ain't going back there again. Well, fine, go somewhere else, but somebody's going to offend you wherever you go. We're human beings until we cross the finish line. So don't let that, that is a ploy of the enemy to get you isolated so he can beat you down. Note those who so walk and follow their example. This is called discipleship. What is that strange word? While we are to fix our eyes on Jesus and worship him alone, we need mentors who are more mature in the faith to, to lead and to set an example for us to follow. I truly believe the weakness of the church in America is due to the false worship of rock star pastors and the lack of discipleship in the body of Christ. The American Christian often has the attitude of independence and is quick to say, you can't tell me how to live my life. Well, the devil will. They I have that wrote down, but there it is. <laughs> the Apostle Paul would passionately and powerfully disagree with that mindset and attitude. And let me tell you, it works both ways. What if I were mentoring somebody it would keep in my own life a check not because of growth but I'm like if I am a mentor to this person and I do this in my life then it creates that accountability and then then the person who is learning from somebody else learns that hey I've got these challenges as well. Let me tell you if you got children you are a mentor but even if you don't have children you may have fellow employees you may be at school you may be somewhere and God gets on this and I'm still working even when I'm driving the car. I need to be a mentor to other people and how often do I fail that because I get let the devil get my eyes on things I can't control. I just need to let Jesus control me. And when I'm getting out of control, Tracy's back there. She's, I'm surprised y'all don't hear her saying amen <laughs> all the way up front. When, when I start doing that, she needs to be my mentor, and she has. And God has sent her along because she said, Dan, you need to get a hold of yourself. But well, what I need to do is I need to get a hold of Jesus Christ in that situation and say, Jesus, you control me so that I can handle the things that I can't control. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. Now we've got to turn the corner because this is not something Paul wanted to say, but he had to. He as an apostle has got to warn the church. For many walk of whom I have often told whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. However, be careful, Who you are falling for not everyone that names the name of Christ truly belongs to Jesus. Did you know that? Evidently, there's a lot of people that don't. Because that rock star, they'll just fall in right in behind line and just keep going as long as it sounds good. But notice the attitude of Paul. He weeps over the tares that are among the wheat. David Guzik said once again, here is a man who has had lashings and stonings and shipwrecks, and you never hear him boohooing about any of that. But when he says there are tears among the wheat, he says it while weeping. Do we weep over the tears among the wheat? Or, on the other hand, do we sharpen the sickle, hoping for a chance to perform a culling? I know plenty of churches, that seems to be their M.O., we're just gonna wait till somebody whispers something we disagree with and then we are gonna attack in mass. I could think that the master said, Don't you worry about separating the tares from the wheat. I'll send my angels at the end of the age to handle that job. In other words, you focus on me. I'll focus on what's needed there. We must remember that grace saves us all and that Jesus alone knows who belongs to him and who has never been his. When we suspect that someone is a terror among the wheat, then we must follow the process for church discipline left to us by our Lord and Master so that we show compassion and mercy long before we perform condemnation. Now there is a time, and we're not going to take the time to go back to Matthew chapter 17, I think I got that one right uh, doing that one from memory where it outlines the discipline process in a healthy church sometimes it has to be done but it should be done in that process that Jesus has outlined Paul reminds us of the end of those who are plaguing church because destruction waits to swallow them completely thus separating them forever from God throughout eternity where there is nothing but loneliness torment, darkness, and the continual agony of knowing your life was a waste. Paul tells us how to spot these impostors. The trademarks of these fake Christians, or these tares, are they live for selfish pleasures and spare themselves nothing. Even though, even how they act is shameful. They glorify themselves rather than Christ I can go ahead and tell you sheep and I am making myself a sheep I ain't trying to be when you got a a under shepherd who is under our great shepherd and that underling is calling attention to his own name instead of the name of Jesus you need to be on guard They live and focus for whatever they can get here and now and tell others that God does not want us to wait to have all the good things we desire in life. There's a whole school of ministry dedicated just to that. What does Paul mean that their God is their belly? Does that mean everyone with a big belly is worshiping a false god? Yeah. This verse has always been especially convicting to me because of my appetite for food. There is a lesson to be learned here about resisting one's appetite, but I believe that Paul is referring to more than an appetite for food. This week, this verse in Proverbs suddenly appeared. It's one of those. I've read Proverbs over and over, and this verse was, was at the end of the chapter, I think, so God had to put it in there last week. Proverbs thirteen twenty five, The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. I went, whoa, that's kind of of important to understand, isn't it? And I got some whole notes if you want to talk to me, and God talked to me about my own appetite with food from that verse. I'm not going to bring a lot of that in. I want to keep it to what Paul's talking about. At first, this verse just seems to speak about eating until I really noticed That the verse is saying that the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul. I'll tell you why I got a big belly. I eat until the satisfying of my flesh. And my flesh don't know when to say no. My soul does. Because my soul has been made righteous by Jesus Christ. This body still waiting to be transformed. Then it suddenly made sense to me. Perhaps because I'm always fighting with my physical appetite. I understand that the righteous refers to the person whose desire is to put God first. And so this person wants to please God more than pleasing others or themselves. However, when we seek to please God first, then we find contentment in what we have and learn not to listen to the appetites of our flesh. This is not true for the wicked. For those whose goal in life is to please themselves. This type of person is easy to spot because they're the ones who are never satisfied. The burger is never big enough. Let's add some more to it. These people have an insatiable hunger no matter how much provision they have. Some people put it in one word, greed. If you've never read a book by Max von Weber, called The Protestant Ethic. He said capitalism will fail when government or the people that make the government quit, quit embracing charity and instead focus solely on profit and greed. These people have an insatiable hunger no matter how much provision they have. These are the people who gleefully sing along with the Rolling Stones, I can't get no satisfaction. You know, people idolize Mick Jagger because of that. There was a meme out there where they were glorifying, always hungry, never be satisfied. I was trying to find a different picture to put up, and I got for a while just going, Oh, my word, be careful with your children in sports, because in sports they will use that phrase, always be hungry. The world is teaching people to follow the appetites of the flesh. We are to eat to the satisfying of our soul that has been transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, not to satisfy our flesh. These were the spots in the Corinthians love feast who continued to gobble up the food to the point that the poor in the church were not able to get the food they needed to sustain themselves. I've been to some of those. There are those who are always putting themselves first and then blaming others for their lack. If they were really hungry, then they would have pushed their way to the head of the line. Or it's not my fault they didn't get anything to eat. It was just going to waste if I didn't take it home. We need to think in everything. Are we eating to the satisfying, the things we have to do for this body, are we doing that to satisfy the soul Or are we doing it to satisfy the flesh? The righteous, however, eat to the satisfying of the soul and not the body. So here's this, should be a famous set of scripture now for everyone. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. This paints a picture of the righteous. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. What an amazing concept because the soul of the righteous is being fed by by the eternal love of God and never fears being without, and so is always content. That is why Paul in his first letter to Timothy writes, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm not supposed to eat until I get full. I'm supposed to eat until I am till my soul is content. It is this great gain of having your soul fed by the eternal creator that Jesus experienced when he witnessed to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus was physically hungry and thirsty when he sat down at the well, but when the opportunity to rescue people from perishing became evident, then Jesus' soul was fed enough to even calm the hunger and thirst of his physical body. Oh, beloved, we can learn from God and not Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The psychologist says that we cannot meet any other need until our physiological needs are met and so have the process upside down. I dare say that no one will ever be satisfied with the food they eat until they have first known God and thank Him for every bite of food they eat. So I don't keep meddling. Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. The most essential thing that we must learn as followers of Jesus is that our citizenship is in heaven. We hear this and believe this, but are we walking this world as though we are citizens of heaven or as citizens of this world? Are you an American first and a Christian next? Or are you a Christian first and then an American next? It seems that the Lord has me coming back to this topic over and over lately. But beloved, we must be focusing on what God's intentions are for us. God does not intend that we suffer, that we are sick, that we are in pain. Nor does God desire anything but our good. However, (laughs) however, starting now, we have got to see things as much as it is possible for us to see things how God sees things. This week, Tracy and I were to place, didn't want to go. Tracy talked me into it. We went. Didn't know when they told me what the bill was. It's one of those places they tell you what the bill's going to be before you eat. I should have left. Well, that was my thought. God had a encounter planned. We're getting ready to finish eating, and a couple comes in, a man and a young woman in a wheelchair. And, okay, okay, we come in. They they, they come in, and he's, he's one of these that's kind of outgoing personality, and he's taking care of her, and they're getting everything arranged, and... They had to get the table beside us, right beside us, and Graham's bidding with me. He knows I'll try to find a table somewhere where nobody else is around. (laughs) They got the table right beside us, and then they had to start moving the chairs around and get everything set so she could be there with a wheelchair. And we're trying to finish up our meal, and the waitress comes, another waitress comes up and starts putting the chairs back in. I'm like, oh no, no, no! I I said, I gotta act. So uh, this lady's in a chair. Let me move these out. So okay, okay, and evidently I didn't know it. But evidently the young lady saw me do that. I I had no intention. I didn't see her. I wasn't doing it for her to see me. So they coming back to the table and if it had been possible for that young lady to walk she would have walked. Because she came back up to the table and can I tell you I met the happiest person I believe I have ever met in my life. Shannon was in that wheelchair couldn't speak other than make some guttural sounds and try to use some sign language that only her uh, husband knew. And in just a few moments, I found out, yes, I was hit when I was 16 years old by a junk, drunk driver. She just married this fella two weeks ago. But over and over, she could not stop stel- telling Tracy and I how happy she was. And before we left, she insisted that we had to hug her. And she just said, over and over, she's like, she could only communicate... And Tracy caught on, like, she's saying, I love you. And just immediately, and I thought, you know, and and I didn't get a whole lot of chance to talk with them to find out where they were with Christ. I did get a quick prayer blessing in with them. But her perspective was changed off of her physical situation, and she was the happiest person I have met in a long time. I get so focused on my current situations that I don't think about when God says he is doing good, he is going to do what is eternally good, not good right here in this life. Because I'm praying as I see it, I'm like, God, you know, this would be one of those opportunities. Jesus, if you came walking through the restaurant, would you walk through, and lay your hands on her and heal her? And he was like, wait, I got to teach you something. And he said, if I had healed this lady... Would she have been as happy as she is right now? And I went, only you can answer that, God. I see now it's not for me to meddle in this situation, but to let you work out what is good in somebody's life. Jesus told us not to fear those who could kill us in this life, but to be in awe of the one who holds our everlasting destiny in his hands. It truly does not matter what this world does to this body, and that's hard to think about. But remember, Paul's writing to Philippians who in about 20 years are going to be going through horrendous persecution by Rome. It truly does not matter what this world does to this body. Just like Ember, because now we are citizens of heaven. And we have a new and glorious body like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Some may wonder exactly what that means for us, but I can't answer that any better than the Apostle Paul who teaches us that this body is a seed that will be raised into a new and glorious body. Here's the real deal. Our Heavenly Father will grant each one of us the best body suited for His purposes throughout eternity. If that means I'm resurrected with my big belly, then that means God has a purpose for raising my body that way and it will be all good. It will be all good because my Father has decreed it to be so. There will no longer be any pain or sorrow, but there will be goodness and perfection as God desires for there to be goodness and perfection. Not only does the Apostle Paul teach us to look toward heaven with eager anticipation, but the Apostle John agrees with him. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3. through three. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The apostle John echoes Paul's joyous refrain and tells us without a doubt that now we are the children of God. John tells us that even he doesn't know the full glory of the transformation that will take place in our bodies. But we can be confident that when we see Jesus returning in His resurrected body, then we shall be like Him because our faith will be fulfilled with a perfect vision of seeing Jesus Christ. Now the important part. The Apostle John is teaching us that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus by always keeping in mind that we are looking for Him to return and call us to meet Him. It's easy to think about a babe in a manger. It's okay with the world if we put a cross up and think about a cross. It's okay if we put a crucified Savior on a cross. But what about an empty tomb? What about the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is going to return with a name written on his thigh that nobody knows but himself and with a word of his mouth the world before him will fall. That is the Jesus we need to be looking for if we are going to purify ourselves. We need to look for the king, for the lion of the tribe of Judah that is victorious. The lamb part is done, the lion is coming. Are we ready to be an army on white horses with him? John is teaching us that if we will meditate on this hope and focus our attention on the resurrected Jesus Christ, then we will be able to overcome this world. That's what I want to do. That's what I want for you to do. Because looking to Jesus, looking for Jesus, has a purifying effect on our lives. Then if these words were not enough, let's hear the end of the story. Just coincidence, but it works. From John the Revelator in Revelations chapter 21, we're going to talk about it this afternoon in more detail. Trust me, I'm not going full detail. When we see the consummation of God's kingdom in our eternal home. So I want to read it just as we need to read it. With expectation, with excitement. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son, or the children of God, men, women, and children all included. Now we've come full circle and can understand what the Apostle Paul meant by his longing For the resurrection of his body and to share in the inheritance of the new Jerusalem. God's eternal dwelling place with his children. Are you daily longing for heaven not just as an escape from earth? Don't look to heaven just as an escape. But as a reward, as a prize for faithfully running the race. A reward for overcoming the world. When we're thinking of heaven just as an escape, then we have the wrong mindset. Paul knew that for him to die would be gain because when he died, he would be present with the Lord. Paul also knew that Jesus desired for him to live and be a minister of the gospel, even though that meant Paul would continue to experience pain and suffering in this life. How did Paul endure all the pain and suffering? How can we, Endure all the pain and suffering of this life. He did not endure so much as he overcame. Because his mind was set not on the things of the earth. But on the reward for those who continue to be servants of the most high God. In the midst of this sin sick world. And in so doing the servants of God overcome evil with good. And in return are rewarded with being transformed. Into the children of God, and made citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Choose today to live this life as a citizen of heaven. We're just here as ambassadors for King Jesus to prepare the way. So I invite you today, uh, just feel really pressed. Are you bold enough to say, I've not been a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? If you are here I know you can't do this if you're watching online. If you are ready to say, I want to be a kingdom of heaven, don't let the enemy keep you sitting in your seat. Come up front. Even if i got to go back, and if I see people up here, I'll turn it over to somebody else, Pastor Rob, Serge, myself. We will be here to pray with you to help you find entrance into the kingdom of God. If you do get nervous, that's okay. I ain't going to be like some people and tell you if you don't come up front right now, you ain't got it. Nope. If you're too nervous, I'd rather that you be bold enough to come now. But if you get too nervous, find one of the members of this church before you leave here today and say, hey, I need to know how I can get my citizenship in heaven assured and we will be sure to pray with you and help you be assured that you too can be a citizen in heaven. Are you here And you've believed in Jesus Christ for a long time, but you've been eating to the satisfying of your flesh. How about turn it over to God and eat to the satisfying of your soul and let Jesus be what satisfies your soul? It's okay. He ain't going to beat you down. He ain't going to embarrass you. He's not going to make fun of you. He's not going to upbraid you is the old King James Version word. But if you lack that wisdom, you need to eat to the satisfying of your soul. Turn it over to Jesus Christ today. Say, Jesus, I am ready that you satisfy my soul like nothing else on in this world can do. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And I hope I haven't driven us out from your throne. I hope we're still gathered here at your throne. I hope that we are prepared here at your throne. Because now our eyes need to be set on your throne. And we need to be looking to you and when we worship we're not watching a band perform for us God as we come to worship now we are gathered around your throne and we need to focus on you and let our worship be all about praising you and glorifying you for who you are because you are who satisfies our every need and our every longing Father let our worship Be a sweet fragrance and incense rising to you. And in our time of worship, Father, meet us here. Assure us that we are citizens of your kingdom and that you are able and willing and good to your promise to satisfy our souls. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Amen.
0: be a sh us Lord thank you so much for your presence here for your for your spirit in our in our hearts Lord thank you that you are so close to us Lord I pray that this was a sweet incense as we lifted our voices to our mighty victorious King we love you Lord God we thank you for this fellowship time and I said you would just Bless the food that we're going to have and that we would eat it to the satisfaction of our souls, Lord. And you've made more than enough provision in the kitchen over there through the hands of our brothers and sisters. And God, Lord, that we would not just nourish our bodies on the food that's provided, but that we would nourish our souls and our spirits with the fellowship, the banquet of fellowship that we have with one another as we spend time together. And share with one another what you've been doing for us lately. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You guys are dismissed to lunch.